Hello and welcome to my podcast Up Your Total Glow, your podcast for your body, mind and soul to support, guide and empower you to uncover the most glowing, healthiest and feel-good version of you. I am super excited that you are here because if you ask me, there's nothing that looks and feels better. In today's episode, I'm speaking with the amazing Alexandria De Vito. Alexandria is a functional nutritionist who specializes in fertility and preconception health. You could say she is also a pre-pregnancy wellness expert and she is the founder and CEO of Poplin. Poplin is a testing company that helps couples get pregnant and also accompanies these couples on a step-by-step preparation process. In this interview, Alexandria shares with us why she started this preconception wellness company. She also shares why it isn't just a female problem if you are looking to get pregnant. She shares with us what is the one thing that you can do today to start your pre-pregnancy journey. And she also tells us why just taking a prenatal vitamin isn't a really wholesome pre-pregnancy preparation. So this interview is full of healthy knowledge when it comes to reproductive optimization. If it is your goal to be the healthiest, most glowing version of you and to make sure this will be also the best way for your baby to come into this life and the healthiest way to come for your baby into this life, then this episode is absolutely for you. Hello, beautiful Alexandria. I'm so excited to have you here today. How are you? I'm absolutely fantastic. I'm elated to be here and so, so pumped to chat with you and all of your wonderful listeners. Okay, so let's jump right into it. Would you maybe like to introduce yourself a little bit and also tell us about your journey? So why are you so passionate Mm. about what you do? You got it. I would love to. So, you know, I spent, uh, I'll start with kind of, you know, we'll, we'll interweave all of these different pieces together. I started my early career doing healthcare consulting. And so I kind of learned the beautiful intricacies of, of healthcare doing that for, for a bunch of years. And then I decided that I really wanted more tools in my toolkit. And I wanted to switch from what I felt was a more reactive model of healthcare to a more proactive one. Mm-hmm. And that was when I decided to go back to school. So I went back to business school um, and, and I did my MBA at Harvard. And then I also did a part-time master's in nutrition on the side. And yeah, yeah, I know it's not not the most traditional move, but, um, but it was a true labor of love. And after finishing both of my degrees, uh, I actually did further training in functional medicine, you know, got certified as a yoga teacher, a personal trainer. I went like really, really deep. I wanted as many tools and modalities in my toolkit. And then I started working as a clinical nutritionist and, you know, what happened next really surprised me. I had a lot of clients and friends actually coming to me who were fairly kind of deep into their fertility journeys and fertility struggles where they had been trying to conceive for a year or two years. And, you know, they had kind of done all the things that, that they knew of to try to, to conceive. Um, 
and they still weren't getting answers and they still weren't getting the success that they were were looking for. And at first I, you know, I, I started thinking, okay, like, let me be a helpful friend here. Let me dive in uh, and see what I can find. Let me look at the clinical studies. Let me look at books. Let me look at research reports, whatever I could find, whatever I could get my hands on. Uh, and I dove in and Ruth, oh my gosh, it was so incredibly humbling. As someone who had two master's degrees, I learned I know so little. I knew so little about my own body, right? You know, when you can get pregnant, when you cannot get pregnant, right? What we're told when we're 12 or 13 years old is, is different uh, than potentially the messaging that we need to hear when we're trying to conceive in our 20s, 30s, and, and 40s. Um, I learned, you know, that so many things that I had suffered from, from, you know, my period perspective, uh, you know, were, were common, but they were not normal the way that our bodies were designed. And so I got really activated. I was humbled first. And then I got really activated and I realized, right, so many people need to learn about that their bodies. So many people need to know about this um, and, and have more agency over the process. And so that was kind of, you know, my my professional journey interwoven with my own personal journey. And that was the the impetus for for eventually starting Poplin, which is the, the company that I run now, which is a pre-pregnancy wellness business for couples. And we support couples through the entire pre-pregnancy journey, starting with the most comprehensive lab test out there. So we can let you know what you're working with you and your reproductive partner at the start of the entire journey. And so, you know, if there are any red flags or yellow flags that could potentially interfere with your ability to get pregnant and have what's ultimately, you know, the, the most important thing, have a healthy baby. And by the way, have a healthy you and your partner. So that was the the journey to, uh, to building Poplin um, and uh, my professional journey, my personal journey all in one. Mm, I love it. And I can so very much relate to this to, you know, wanting to dive even deeper in and get even more tools into your amazing healthy toolbox. And I can also relate to the fact that, well, sometimes with all of the degrees in the world, our profession is so humbling because I feel there's always something where we can still dive deeper in or where there is now all of a sudden new knowledge and Yeah, I feel it will stay humbling forever. At least it feels for me like this, which is beautiful at the same time. I love what you have created. I love everything that you are about. Can we dive maybe a little bit deeper into, so, okay, you said you help couples to start off with this really um, comprehensive lab testing. So what does this look like and how does this differ maybe from normal blood tests that maybe someone might have already at hand when they are looking to get pregnant? Mm, I appreciate you asking that. I think this is so rich. Um, yeah. So, so I think this is inspired by me being a relatively type A individual who wants to organize, who wants to plan. And I think, you know, I see this among a lot of my clients and I see this among a lot of my friends and we do this for weddings. We do this for careers. We do this for buying homes, but for some reason that approach has not yet filtered into getting pregnant, which is in advance planning, support, all the tools. Well, that's what we're building at Poplin. And, you know, as, as you said, right, it starts with this diagnostic testing. And the reason is, you know, in business, we have these things called KPIs, key performance indicators, you know, sales or number of customers or number of signups on your website. And those are indicators of the health of a business and the trajectory of a business. Well, we have the same thing when it comes to our health, but nobody's really thinking about it or putting it in that language. And so blood tests, biomarkers are KPIs for your health. 
And symptoms are also KPIs for your health. So we can tune into both of those things to really understand what's going on. And so a lot of times what I've seen is there's been a proliferation of a lot of companies that are offering, uh, particularly females, information about their fertility health, but it's been focused on hormones. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a great first step. Fantastic that we're giving females, we're giving couples more information about their own health. I'm a huge believer in that. But hormones, as we look at it, is only about 30% of the equation. You know, we're missing the entire other 70%, which is your whole health, your immune status, your metabolic status, and so forth. So we look at five different categories. We look at your blood status. We look at your hormone status. We look at your immune status, your metabolic status, and your nutrient status. And so instead of in a standard hormone panel, which looks at seven different biomarkers in our, you know, um, largest panel, we look at 49 different biomarkers. Okay. So that is seven times the amount of information. And when you have more information, it means more places to work, more places to identify potential challenges and more actionability, right? Rather than just getting a test that says, oh, this is off or everything's fine, right? You can go deeper and actually have more information about what's going on, on a variety of different domains that could potentially interfere with your, your ability to get pregnant and have a healthy baby. Mm, I love that. It's really empowerment, isn't it? And it takes away the guesswork. Mm, <laughs> so it yes. makes it more specific, which... I think, yes, is, is really powerful and potent. So can you maybe tell us a little bit more, what does this pre-pregnancy, pre-conception wellness really look like? Because I do think there's still a lot of misunderstanding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So I think, you know, first what you said is so apt, right? The, this like kind of guesswork. Well, right now, the only way we need, we find out if we're fertile is to try. And, you know, it's a black box until that point. And that's like not the most efficient system. And so, you know, can, can we give ourselves a little bit more data? Can we give ourselves a little bit more insight before the point of trying? And that's really what we're trying to do with pre-pregnancy wellness testing. So to give us a sense of your whole health and, you know, as a proxy for egg health and sperm health, which is what ultimately is going to, you know, lead to, to a future baby. So that's kind of trying to take some of the guesswork out, right? It's not a perfect system. You know, we, we don't have 100% control, but can we have more agency over the process, more information, more places to work, right? That is absolutely possible. And so I think, you know, when we talk about the process of, of preparing to get pregnant, right, we help couples get ready to get pregnant. And normally what I see in, in my practice is the preconception process consists of usually two things. Number one is go off of whatever birth control method you're using, whether that's hormonal birth control or not. And then number two, maybe start a prenatal vitamin. Those are the two steps, generally speaking, that I see most common. Yeah, I agree. Right. So, and that, by the way, like great, necessary, but insufficient when we're trying to go for optimal health outcomes. Right. And so the way that we look at it is we actually have a pre-pregnancy checklist that has, you know, another 15 or so steps on it. And this is like, when we're going for optimal, this is, you know, kind of what you do. And this is about how do you prepare your mind, your body, your environment? How do you minimize anything that's going on that could potentially interfere? And the, you know, the important insight that I came to here is our bodies were designed to conceive, mm -hmm. but our modern environment was not right. And we have to take action to undo the effects of the modern environment to coax our body back into a state that's really receptive to conception and procreation. 
And that is our job in the preconception period. So, you know, what does that look like? That looks like optimizing nutrition, making sure that your body feels like it is in an abundant environment. Because if you think about it, right, if your body thinks it's in a resource constrained environment, it thinks famine. Okay, hold up. We don't want to bring a baby into the world if there's famine, right? So we, we, you know, our body designed was designed to protect us, but today our modern environment is triggering that fail safe. So if you're eating too few calories, right, your body might feel that, or even if you're eating a really calorie rich diet, but it's deficient in nutrients, your body's also going to have the same response. So that's, you know, one big thing that we talk a lot about. Environmental chemicals is another big one. Right. We see, you know, in the US, and you know, I think it's better abroad, but in the US, we have 80,000 new chemicals approximately, you know, in the last 50 years that have been introduced. And this is coming in at our bodies all day, every day. Water, air, food, you know, shampoos, conditioners, lotions, Mm -hmm. right? All the things, you know, cleaning products. And in small quantities, not a big deal. Your body detoxifies itself, it can handle it. But all day, every day, the order of magnitude and the the speed at which we're being exposed to this, our bodies are having trouble keeping up. And a lot of these chemicals are actually known to interfere with our endocrine system, which basically means they interfere with our hormones, Mm -hmm. just making it harder to get pregnant. And do we really need to introduce things that are making it harder to get pregnant? So, you know, I think these are, you know, these are the couple of things that, you know, when we think about holistic pregnancy preparation uh, is is really important. And I will say this involves both partners, right? Mm -hmm. So regardless of what your relationship construct looks like, you know, having both reproductive partners involved is incredibly important because it's literally a 50-50 biological equation, right? I, I always say to people, biology doesn't care about this social construct that fertility is a female problem. It's literally a 50-50 equation. And so whoever you are partnering with to, 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 to develop this beautiful, wonderful baby should also ideally be part of that conversation and part of that preparation. It just gives you the, the better odds and your future family, the better odds. Mm, I love that. And that would have been actually my next question because I have realized that you um, always speak of couples and not just of her or the woman. And I really love that. So if we can dive a little bit more into this, I don't know if there's more to say about it, but first I would like to say, again, I really appreciate your really holistic approach here. It's my yeah, expertise, my understanding, my experience, all of this, that if we are looking at real health, we always have to look at all the factors. Um, we are holistic beings. So yes, this makes so much sense. And thank you so much for pointing this out. And I also think it's very true that yes, we are made to, you know, conceive, to have babies, to reproduce. And I also agree, but yes, our world, the way it is going right now with this pushing and doing more and being all the time available for everything, mm-hmm. more, more, more stress. Um, this is not working together. And I mean, it's also what what shows up. Like we've never had so many issues with fertility, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. it's not a surprise. So um, thank you so much that you're there and that you're trying to um, shout it from the rooftops that, you know, we have to reverse this and also giving us a way how to reverse this. Um, yeah. So... Can we maybe dive a little bit more into that? This is actually a partnership, mm-hmm. you know, um, even the pre-pregnancy journey. And what's your experience 
are the male partners open to this or are we also conditioned that we actually do think, oh, no, it's, it's the woman's job? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I'll say, you know, I'll start with, with two things on this. So mm -hmm. I think we'll focus on heterosexual relationships for a second, because I actually think that inherently in a same sex relationship, there is pre-pregnancy planning because you, you know, right. you have to use assisted reproductive technology. And so there is a lot more conversation intentionality that I see in those, those constructs already, you know, by virtue of how they're going to have to go about creating a family. And so that conversation is oftentimes having, you know, it's being, ha being had and it's much earlier and, and, and much more intentional. And so I think if we, if we look at heterosexual relationships, I would love to, you know, say, okay, let's try to infuse some of that in, in that approach as well. And so I think there's a couple of things that make it even more important to, to, to bring male partners into the conversation. So number one is just factually sperm counts have dropped 60% in the last 40 years globally. So I'll say that one more time, right? Because I cannot believe that this isn't bigger news and people aren't talking about it more. Sperm counts have dropped 60%, six zero in the last 40 years That's around the world, wow. right? So this means that our male peers around us are actually less fertile than our grandparents and great-grandparents generation. So this is, this is real and it is happening. Mm. And so, you know, again, to the point, like our bodies were designed to conceive our modern environment was not. So if that is the, the status quo, that is the standard right now, if you want something different for yourself or your future family, you're going to have to take action. And so just like I believe a lot of our environment, right, there's all this literature that talks about how our environment is obesogenic, meaning predisposing people to obesity. I believe our environment is also, you know, subfertile genic or infertile genic, meaning predisposing people towards infertility or subfertility. And if you can take action to reverse that, but it requires proactivity. Mm. So I think that's the first piece is just, you know, the scientific side of this, which is why it's important for our male partners to be brought into this discussion because it impacts them profoundly and they're making new sperm, right? Every three months. So there is so much more agency that they have over the process. They can do something about it. If they just know a, that it's happening and B, what to do. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing that I would say is that I have been so incredibly impressed with the many, many, many males that I've talked to at this point, because they want to contribute. I think they have historically been completely left out of this conversation mm -hmm. and they want to contribute and they want to be told what to do. Just tell me what to do. Tell me how to help. Tell me how to contribute. And, you know, they've, they felt, I think, a lot of times helpless or irrelevant in the process, and they're far from irrelevant. They're an incredibly integral part. And if we think about it from you know, a scientific perspective, again, the male epigenetic contribution. So, so the genetic contribution is basically your genes, right? That doesn't change. But yeah. the epigenetic contribution is the environmental impact on the genes. And so your male partner is contributing both genetics and epigenetics at the point of contribution, at the point of conception. I, um, sorry. Yeah. And so- Genetics, you can't change, but epigenetics, you can change. So what your male partner and you, by the way, do in the three, six, 12 months prior to conceiving is what sets the epigenetic contribution you're going to be making through egg and sperm. And so their point of highest epigenetic contribution is at conception. And I don't think people realize that. So kind of what they're doing in the preconception period is 
what they're contributing, the biggest bang for their buck. And that's when they should be activated, ideally, right? I don't really believe in the word should, so I have to be careful there. But you know, if you're going for optimal, if you're going for ideal, if you're if you're trying to optimize the situation, then that is the point where they have the biggest ability to contribute biologically. Mm. I love that. Um, yeah, beautiful. And when you were speaking, it came for me, really, I had this this phrase in my mind, yeah, we are, you know, made to conceive, to have babies, to reproduce, but also we are made to move, you know, mm. and I feel <laughs> movement um, has become such a sideshow in our lives, unfortunately, because everything is automized. We are now, you know, doing most things even from home or via Zoom online. So we are moving even less. Um, yeah, so I do think maybe these two things go very much hand in hand. So what's your take on how important is movement in the preconception phase? I love this question. <laughs> so first, I was actually just reading something last week, and I'm sure that, you know, the, the data on it is evolving over, over time, but it was saying that, you know, a lot of step trackers are saying, oh, we should be getting 6,000 steps a day or 10,000 steps a day. But that if you actually look at, you know, more um, records of our ancestors, their movement was actually much closer to 16 or 17,000 steps a day. So this, these numbers are kind of, you know, fairly arbitrary. And so, right. If you think about that 16 or 17,000 steps a day is, is quite a distance. Uh, and so this is, if you think about it, that's like the way our bodies were designed to move, that's what they're used to. That's what our genes respond to. And so I would say, I, I optimize for that. And I live in a beautiful place. I'm in Miami, so it's fairly warm weather and I can get outside. But I think the average person might find it difficult to walk 16 or 17,000 steps a day. So even when we talk about movement, I think a lot of times we focus on exercise, but I like to separate movement from exercise, particularly because I've worked with a lot of clients who have maybe, you know, not the best associations or relationship to exercise. Maybe it was punishing for many years. I know for me personally, I, you know, had a love hate relationship to, to exercise. Um, you know, and I, I think it can be used for a lot of different in a lot of different ways and, you know, figuring out modalities that work for you. But I would just start with when you say, I love that you said movement rather than just exercise, because I think walking in and of itself first is how our bodies were designed. Mm -hmm. And second, it's, it's a wonderful thing when we think about the impacts it could have on fertility. So number one, when you're sitting for long periods of time, what actually ends up happening is there's a lot of congestion and stagnation near your reproductive organs, right? We don't want that right? When you get up and you move, even if it's just walking to get a glass of water or walking outside, you're actually moving oxygen, you're moving blood flow, you're moving nutrients. And so that helps things go and flow, right? We want, we don't want any obstructions. Obstructions are not a good thing when it comes to getting pregnant. And so if you're, if you're, if you're having stagnant blood or you're having stagnant energy in any place, that's not going to be conducive to fertility. So I think, you know, that's really important. The other thing that I would say around exercise specifically is there's kind of the Goldilocks principle when it comes to exercise and fertility, you know, not too little, not too much somewhere in the middle, right? So if you're not moving enough, then it causes some of the problems that we've just been talking about, right? Certainly we'll, we see a lot of blood sugar regulation, uh, your, you know, insulin is not operating well, you may have stagnation, you know, not movement of blood flow. And so I think there's a whole bunch of cardiovascular things that happen that can affect fertility. 
when you're moving too much, and you know, by the way, I worked in a practice in New York City and I saw this all the time where people are over exercising for their body, right? Marathon training or, you know, spinning five times a week. And by the way, there is absolutely no judgment around this. If it's working for you, it works for me. But I will say what is conducive to fertility is different than what is conducive for kind of everyday life or, you know, other goals that you may have. And so what happens when we are over-exercising uh, for our bodies and our bodies tell us that, right? If you lose your cycle, that's a sign that you are over-exercising for your body. If you have elevated cortisol levels, which we can measure, by the way, that is a sign that it is too much for your specific body. And so this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is if you are exercising too much for your body, your body perceives it as a stressor and it diverts resources from making your sex hormones to making your stress hormones. Mm-hmm. And so you literally don't have the raw materials to get a cycle, never mind, make a baby. And that's a really important distinction that I, I don't think very many people realize. Mm. Beautiful. We are so aligned here. And that's, you know, I purposefully said, movement because I totally feel the same way and I see so many clients who actually do more harms with their harsh exercising and I'm, I love movement you know and I love exercise as well but I think we have to become more aware of the fact that you know just doing those harsh classes um can actually sometimes do more harm. Yeah, so I think it's beautiful if we can take more and more different um, spill on these um, on these things. Yeah, so like you like you said, I love that. Um, what I really feel strongly about um, is important to say as well is that you know, like our bodies. Obviously, it's it's all about. Um, our bodies are very clever so they want us to survive of course and they do everything to back ourselves up and the first thing that actually will fall away when we get into imbalance when our bodies get into imbalance is our reproductive balance Mm -hmm. because this is something we don't necessarily need for survival Mm -hmm. So yes, we need it so that in general, we as a species survive, but that's not, you know, how the body thinks, (laughs) if it was able to think. Mm -hmm. So I I think this is really important to mention here that, you know, when we start to become or to fall into imbalance, which happens through unhealthy diet, through too much exercise, through too much stress, too many toxins, all the things that you pointed out, then in my experience, the first thing that goes haywire is actually something with the reproductive system. Is that your take as well? And I've got another really important question. So would you say that doing your amazing preconception wellness is really important for everyone. Mm. Okay. So I will, I will tackle them one by one. So I think first, what you said is absolutely brilliant. And I don't think it's, it's well understood. And I'm so glad that you're sharing it. And I, you know, I, I will emphasize it because I think it's so important, which is that our body will always prioritize survival over procreation. Exactly. That's so well said. Thank you. Right. <laughs> Because I think that, and that is such an important insight to understand. We can want all we want, but our bodies do not understand that, right? It will always 
you know, because if you survive, you can procreate at another time. Yeah. And so if now is not the time, right, we focus on, we focus on that. And so I think that's a really important insight. And so our, our reproductive system, as you said, is the canary in the coal mine. It is one of the first things to downregulate when we are experiencing stress or nutrient deficiencies or toxin overload, or, you know, kind of whatever other things that are going on that feel unsafe or resource constrained to, to our bodies. Mm. And so I think that's, that's brilliant and a really important point. And I think, you know, when we talk about who is preconception for who, you know, is, is, is it for? So first, right. Their preconception preparation is something that is available to anyone. Mm. And there are no known side effects of preparing to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're, we're (laughs) not encouraging anything that's fad like, or, you know, one time in nature or detrimental to your health. It is literally only upside. And, it's you know as much upside as you really want to to go and i think the interesting thing about this is that if we actually look at ancient tribes and ancient practices they all had preconception rituals and so for example if a couple you know were was planning to get married they in the masai tribes they they talk about this where they would get they would have the couple drink the milk and you know from the the grass during wet season, which is more lush and more nutrient dense. Mm -hmm. And they would give it to them as a priority over kind of the rest of the folks, because they knew that they were going to to conceive soon after getting married in in that case. And we see this in in a lot of different ancient tribes. And so I think they didn't have the language around it. They had the instinct around it, which is just nutrition for people that are going to conceive is really important. They talked about how the heads of the babies would be rounder as an example. So like, this is what they could observe. Now we now know we can measure the milk. We can measure that it has more of certain nutrients than others. And so we we can see what the benefit is, but, you know, to your point, I think preconception is available to anyone. We're trying to make it available to anyone. And I really believe and, and want it to be the case that preconception care eventually is part of prenatal care. It's just an extension of prenatal care because what we're doing in the preconception period sets the stage for pregnancy and postpartum and early childhood development. And the earlier you start, the more influence you can have over all of these stages. And you know, ideally what I see in a lot of my clients is the earlier they start in preconception, the easier the pregnancy, the easier conception, the healthier the babies, the healthier the birth, right? And so on and so forth. And it just kind of leads the the path in a more seamless way. And again, it's not always perfect. It doesn't always go as planned, right? But we can increase the probability that it does. We can give ourselves more time. We, we give ourselves the gift of time. We can give ourselves the gift of less stress when we approach it and more places to to go and work with. If you want to get pregnant yesterday, it's a lot harder to do all the things that, you know, that, that we're potentially suggesting to do because it feels so pressure filled. Mm. I absolutely love your approach because I think yet again, it's the quick fix versus wellness. Like, you know, I don't know about you, but I know so many couples who have gone through oh my goodness, just the most horrendous times because they have been trying to conceive and it's been so stressful and then they have gone via IVF and all these things. And these are not beautiful processes um, in itself or very rarely they are, I think. Um, And what I hear from you, what you offer, what you suggest is 
that we just all try to become holistically healthier so that we, you know, that mom and dad are healthy and then we have beautiful healthy baby so it's it's very simple and you said you know this is what actually everyone used to do via rituals and and mm -hmm. and and we you know in our very uh yeah busy world where we really think you know quick fix is the solution for everything i have almost forgotten or i don't know if this is the right word but we seem to completely have gone off track or that's how it feels to me so thank you so much for yeah coming with this different way again of really diving into deep wellness and yes the side effect is having a happy baby but also you know being really healthy yourself and Isn't that what we want all? Isn't that, you know, that we want to live our best lives and the healthier we are, you know, the better we can be as a mom, as a dad, um, in our work, as a friend. I don't know. I think this is really what we all want, where real happiness lies. So mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely amazing. I've got one more quick question. I'm very um, conscious and aware about your time, but um, of your time. But so... And I know this is a difficult question because obviously everyone's journey is very individual. And you already said, you know, the sooner you actually start with your wellness journey, the easier it is to conceive. But what's your experience or your estimated time? What can someone expect? How long does it Oh, usually take. Again, I'm aware that's really hard to say, but just give us a frame because mm -hmm. I feel that this can be really empowering. You know, if you just sort of give them a time frame, it maybe doesn't feel so endless. Mm. I think that's important, right? Because preventive health can be very nebulous. Exactly. It's, it's right exactly. hard. To, you don't have a clear goal. And that's what I actually love about this because there's, you know, there's data points. So we're looking at lab tests. So we actually have information. Then you make changes and we can retest and you get information. And then, you know, the there is ultimate, you know, again, KPIs, right? It's a beautiful business when one of your KPIs are babies. So, you know, we, we do have that as, <laughs> as well. So I think... Uh, what we usually say is the preconception period is about the one year prior to conceiving. Now, technically, right, it can go longer or shorter depending on your starting course, point, right? So if, as you said, right, if you've been on hormonal birth control for uh, many years, right, it may be longer. If you're, uh, if you have a lot of environmental toxins and if you and your partner are on different pages, right, we haven't, you know, talk, there's a bunch of emotional and stuff that, that goes into this, like reading, reading your mind as well and your, your emotional self. So roughly one year. Um, and I would say you could start testing earlier. We have a lot of folks now that are wanting to test a couple years out from trying to conceive because they just want to know what their starting point is. They want to know what they're working with. And then you could, you know, retest on a, on a regular basis as well. So you know how you're trending overall. Mm. And I think what we're trying to do is to say, well, we know healthier parents, as you said, give birth to healthier children, but how do you measure healthier parents? Right. And that's what we're trying to introduce is how do you measure your health so that you understand what you're working with, but also the influence that it's going to have on your future children. And, you know, I, I think this is such a beautiful first step on the journey to parenthood, because I think, you know, with kids, it's not what you say, it's what you do, right? They will call your BS so quickly. And they know if you're not, you know, living in alignment with what you're saying to them. And I think this 
process is also the same thing, right? If you want to have healthy children, you need to show up as healthy yourself. If you want to have healthy relate, you want your kids to have healthy relationships. Like we are role models, literally and figuratively for, for our future children. And so how are we showing up and how are we aligning ourselves so that we can set the foundation for what we hope for, for our children. And, you know, ideally we always want to do better for ourselves and, and for our future children. And so this is an opportunity to, to start that. And again, there is no judgment. If you have had a child before and you didn't go through the preconception process, it's totally cool, you know? And if you want to do something different now, also totally cool. I think there's just so many shoulds and judgment in this in this space around getting pregnant and having babies and parenting. And so I just want to say, this is an approach that we're, we're providing. If it resonates with you, fantastic. If it doesn't resonate with you, also okay. You get to decide, but the point is you get to decide for your family, what you and your partner want to do and what you think is best for your future family. It's just important that you know what options you have available to you and that there is a different way than the standard that you've been talking about. Mm, beautiful. Absolutely love it. So very empowering. And yeah, I feel so much more juicy and fun and just beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much. So where can we find you if someone hears this now and thinks, yeah, I want to do this. Exactly. This is what I've been looking for. So how, how can we get in touch with you? Well, you can find us at uh, getpoplin.com. So G-E-T-P-O-P-L-I-N. And then we're also on you know, social channels, also at Get Poplin. And we would love to, to support any of you out there. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you need more support, if you want to get tested, come on down. We're, we're excited to support you on your journey. And I'll also be sharing a, um, a promo code for your audience. So we, we can share that later, but uh, wanted to you know support anyone who's ready to get started. Oh, thank you so much. That's really kind and a beautiful surprise. That's very, very, yeah, just beautiful of you. And of course, I will put all of this into the show notes. So I like to finish my interview with three gold nuggets. So do you have three gold nuggets for my audience? Mm. So I would say that a couple of things that I've been thinking about uh, recently is that in, in life, so many things just come down to the basics. I think we can have all of these goals and we can have all of these ambitions and, you know, I, like I'm writing a book and, you know, I'm building a business and there are all these things, but the everyday moments, I think a lot of times are where joy is, where fulfillment is like, you know, how you are, where you are getting up, who you are spending time with the breakfast that you prepare, the movement that you do in your body. And so I think it's, it's always important to have, you know, goals and to be moving towards something, but the joy and the experiences in life are kind of in the moment, in the today, in the now, in the small things. And I'm constantly reminded of that. Mm. So I would say that's, you know, number one, number two is uh, I, you know, I've just been thinking about this recently. You are your own best advocate. You can delegate so many things, but you cannot delegate your own health. And so when it comes to thinking about your priorities and where you're going to spend your time and where you're going to spend your energy, just recognize where you can delegate and where you can't. And the areas that you can't delegate is around health. Like nobody can do the meditation for you. Nobody can eat the food for you. And so that's what I say, delegate everywhere else, be maniacal about delegating in every other area of your life so that you can prioritize the few things that you can't actually delegate. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> so that would be number two. And then, you know, number three would be, I think I have 
recently, and we were talking about this earlier, realize the power of simple walking. I know we we try to make it, you know, so complicated and we try to focus, but I have, you know, kind of, I'm a big fan of habit stacking. And so I will do walks and then I will listen to podcasts or I'll do walks and do calls. And I have a ridiculous headset. And so I'm walking around and I kind of have a headset with a boom and everyone looks at me like, you know, I look like a weirdo, but you know what? I get my steps in and I get to connect with friends. So I think if you think about your priorities, habit stacking as much as possible. And I find that walking is one that you can habit stack relatively easily with. And so you can kind of get two or three priorities done in the space of a single time. So cook dinner with a friend, right? That's another place where you can habit stack. So I'm a big fan of, of habit stacking and um, and kind of getting your, your walking in as one of the modalities to habit stack. Mm, beautiful. I love all three of them. Absolutely amazing. You are amazing. Is there anything that you would still like to mention that I haven't really touched upon that you feel is missing of our, from our conversation? I don't think so. I think the only thing I would probably end with is just, you know, something that we've touched on, but I want to emphasize, which is you have so much more agency over your reproductive health journey than you may have been led to believe by the, you know, my media or, you know, well-meaning doctors and even friends and, and family. And, you know, there's so much data out there that, that talks about age as the only proxy of fertility and really age as a proxy for health which does affect your, your fertility. And so what we're trying to do is actually give, give us a proxy for like, you're, not all 30 year olds are created equal, not all 35 year olds are created equal, 40 year olds are created equal, right? You're, there's a difference between your biological age and your chronological age, which is your age in years. And so the vitality of your cells actually is a much better predictor of your ability to conceive and have a healthy pregnancy. And so instead of focusing on chronological age, which is something we can't change, let's focus on what we can change, which is our biological age, our health. So I would, I would say that. I love that. Obviously, that's everything I am about. So that's so beautiful. And also, I do feel that very often uh, couples do feel very hopeless in this journey. And I love that you are, yeah, are full of this empowerment of, you know, it doesn't have to be like this. We can change this. You can change this. You can take action again. You can even make it fun, make it beautiful. Yeah, I think all of this is very beautiful and so important for, I feel, so many to hear and maybe experience. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for the amazing work that you do. I am so grateful for you because you're clearly making our world a healthier, happy place, one child at a time. <laughs> And I love it. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you did, I would be thrilled if you supported me on my journey to make our world a healthier, happier place, one podcast, one person at a time. And you can do so by liking, sharing, subscribing and reviewing my podcast. I know that you were born to live your best life and to feel absolutely amazing in your beautiful body, in your brilliant mind and in your boundless soul. So what are you still waiting for? Please make sure you do. I'm your biggest cheerleader. I believe in you. Keep glowing. Much love.